This episode of a Top 3 Podcast is brought to you by our friends and proud parents over at the Rat Hour Podcast with Rat Boy. It's your one-stop shop for discovering what's in Tim Allen's trash this week, dirty work quotes with no context, and rabid praise of the Cincinnati Reds' bullpen. And just for our listeners, brought to you by the grace of the tube, here's a sneak peek at this week's episode of The Rat Hour with Rat Boy. You know you need a cover sheet on your TPS reports. Rat Boy. That ain't new, baby. Hey, Janice. Hey, Janice. Motherfucker. Oh, that Rat Boy, he sure is something, huh? Well, if you want to find out what's really going on, you got to tune in to the Rat Hour with Rat Boy, part of the Tube Podcast Network. All right, let's start the show. And uh, this uh, this is a top three podcast. Three, two, What's up, everybody? Welcome to a Top 3 Podcast, where we honor the time-old tradition of listing our favorite things and arguing about it. My name is Dave Jackson, joined today by Aaron Engel. What's Alan Nichols. Hey, everybody. Bloodbath is not here, but we do have a special guest, a Top 3 enthusiast, Tyler Peckham. What's up, guys? Hey, dude. Welcome to the show. Yeah, What's up, man? Good Excited to, have to get you, you on here, man. Trying, yeah. to, trying to get you on here for a while. I got to tell yeah. you guys, I fucking <laughs> love talking football. And I like, I actually, for some reason, respect Tyler's like opinion on football. That's true. You know, yeah. He, he, he played the sport, you know, he knows what it's about. So I'm excited to talk football with you, bro. Yeah. Well, the sport has got me hobbling around now. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I should let everybody know Peckham's like six three. This Peckham is a monster, and uh, I we would play football sometimes like in the backyard. <laughs> and I saw like Peckham played defensive tackle, I believe, uh, in yeah. high school. And uh, in backyard football, you don't have like offensive or defensive linemen. So just seeing him catch like a three yard out and run over kids like a third his size was just all like always so so fucking funny to me yeah it's like, it's like i'm glad to have you those videos in. of derrick henry in high school just like yeah. running people the fuck over of, of andy reed in the pump passing character <laughs> uh, so yeah aaron alluded to it but our topic today is our top three undrafted nfl players and uh when you're hearing this it's going to be around the time of the nfl playoffs probably i think the week before the super bowl or something like that is when this episode is going to release so we're in the nfl mood uh unfortunately for alan and i as browns fans but um the uh nfl playoffs are yet, in full Dave. swing it's by not this over point. yet it it most certainly is over. It's mathematically over. No, yes. I, I remember no, watching math, it Dave. be over. I'm not sold on math yet. I'm not sold on math. I don't think That's the science enough. is there. That's fair enough. So I don't think the math is there. Today yeah, we're talking not... about undrafted NFL players. And uh, so, Peck, this was your topic. So we wanted to have you on to talk about football. But why did you want to talk about undrafted players uh, in particular? Yeah, um, so... I played a stint in Division Three football up at Mount Union for a couple years. Um, and for those who don't know, uh, it's not like that anymore, but Mount Union at the time was like 
a small D one school beating the tar out of people into division three level. Um, yeah. so, uh, <laughs> we, my, when I was up there, a lot of the, a lot of my teammates, we really paid attention to those kind of late round undrafted guys because we knew some of them because, you know, a lot of D three guys don't get picked up. Um, it's more common, but, uh, you know, uh, I just thought it'd be kind of a fun topic. And, you know, so actually I didn't realize but some of my, some of my players I watched, you know, in high school, when we were going to high school, were undrafted and I didn't realize that. So, uh, yeah, I thought it'd be kind of a fun topic instead of, the gen- generic stuff you would typically cover so such as the things we've covered on the show before like <laughs> worst draft picks and stuff like that <laughs> top three pokemon and i yeah. i also want to add on to why, why this is really cool is because like the great the greatest thing about sports it ultimately is in in it's why their movies made it's why their books written is like the underdog story like everybody likes a story about somebody who i mean like take rudy for example like just somebody who probably shouldn't have gotten a chance but when was given that like singular opportunity to go out and prove themselves absolutely did and there are a couple undrafted players uh, in NFL history that are you know eight nine time pro bowlers like three four times super bowl champions like that that's the coolest thing about uh this top three to me is like we're talking about people who were looked in the face and told you do not have what it takes to play this game at a professional level and totally flip the table on it, which I, I, I just, I, I love that ideology of like, you know, you know, that, that can be a thing, you know? So I, I love this top three idea. I really do. Yeah, for sure. And I would like to just add on to that by saying that that's one of the best parts about sports, but I think the best part is um, talking shit to your friends when your team beats their team. But other than yes, that, correct. the stories are the best part. Other than that. Other than that and dongs, those are the best parts yeah, and dongs, about sports. Of course. Shout out to Rap Boy. Shout out to Rap Boy. So, um, before we get started with the show today, just real quick, if you would like to support the show, we would really appreciate uh, you most, well, mostly just telling people about it if you, uh, if you enjoy the show and want to pass it on. Uh, the good thing about this show is if you are, you know, not interested in football or not interested in, you know, Pokemon or something like that, we're always covering different stuff. So we appreciate you telling people about your favorite episodes and stuff like that. Also, ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, which now allows uh, podcast reviews. And what other? Podcast Addict, I think. Yeah, any anything that allows you to rate and or review, we appreciate that. We also appreciate everybody who participates in our listener top three calls, which they go out uh, about a week before our recordings on our social media pages. You can check the episode description for links to those pages we are most active on instagram and sometimes twitter and sometimes facebook as well so all that being said let's talk football if this is your first time listening to the show the way it works is we've all picked our top three undrafted nfl players we are going to go around and take turns so everyone says they're number three in chat then number twos number ones some quick honorable mentions at the end and then our listener top threes so, undrafted NFL players. Um, real quick, uh, so we already said me and Alan are Browns fans. So this, of course, this kind of is going to influence our lists in some ways, what our favorite teams are. Aaron is a uh, Pittsburgh Steelers fan. Unfortunately. And, yeah, unfortunately. First, I mean, first, first off, I can fuck you. First off. <laughs> I'm coming out uh, swinging, homie. 
Second off, uh, I promise I won't mention this on the pod, but the Steelers just beat uh, Baker Mayfield, the Browns in Pittsburgh this week on a Big Ben send-off. And I got to tell you, that was the closest I ever came to crying um, since I was 13. Not because he was retiring, but because Chase Claypool dropped like four passes. So, <laughs> And uh, yeah, with, with that being said, uh, Peck, what's your favorite team for our listeners? Uh, so I have been a lifelong Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan. I just want to make sure that gets noted. I think you guys all have known that, but uh, yeah, especially sure. since, our, since the uh, the recurrence of uh, TB12 down to uh, good old good old Bay Area, um, there's been a lot of bandwagoner fans. So uh, I'm a lifelong Bucks fan. Picked yeah. them when they were orange. I didn't want the brown. Sorry, guys. So I, <laughs> I, I like that orange and creamsicle look. So. No, you made the right choice, dude. You made, you the, made the right choice. <laughs> <laughs> I've had similar heartache though, so but it's been nice to be on the winning winning scheme of things. So yeah, you had a uh, you had some pretty prolonged uh, sections of like shitty fan experience bookended by Super Bowls. So well, I mean, let me tell you, let me tell you one thing: the Super Bowl last year was nice, but it was even better to retire Drew Fucking Breeze in his oh, home field yeah. last year. Oh, oh, oh come on! I, I cannot bro, I stand that guy. Yeah. He's he's great. Of course, you yeah. can't. Yeah. <laughs> so we have uh, on this episode of undrafted NFL players, we have a very special Michael Bumpus uh, winner. For this episode, Michael Bumpus. Bumpus. Aaron, can you explain to people what is a Michael Bumpus uh, alert if this is your first time listening to the show? So a Michael Bumpus alert is essentially when there is one answer that is so obvious amongst all of the participation or all of the participants uh, in the top three podcast that there's not even really a point of putting them on our list because it is so obvious that that is the answer. We call it Michael Bumpus because, again, obviously, Michael Bumpus is the greatest football player of all time. So, Dave, who is our Michael Bumpus for this episode? Well, it just so happens that Michael Bumpus, who is objectively the greatest football player of all time, was Not undrafted. So oh, our shit, Michael Dave. Bumpus candidate for this episode is, in fact, the man himself, Michael fucking Bumpus, with <laughs> career stats of five receptions for 48 yards and one touchdown playing for the Seattle uh, Seahawks. Michael Bumpus is the Michael Bumpus of Michael Bumpuses. <laughs> he really Michael Bumpused this one, didn't he, Dave? Yeah, and it was good because when we were <laughs> when we were thinking about what to do, we were like, okay, so uh, two possible topics: top three wide receivers. So Michael Bumpus is obviously Michael Bumpus. Was gonna get top, it anyways. <laughs> or top three undrafted <laughs> players, which uh, obviously Michael Bumpus would be the Michael Bumpus for the episode. So shout out to Michael Bumpus. You are Michael Bumpus for this episode top undrafted player that is just such an obvious answer that it's not really worth us putting you on our lists so everybody would get bored because they already know michael bumpus is the michael bumpus of michael bumpuses you know what i mean have we reached out to michael bumpus (laughs) that's exactly what i was gonna say bro there is no and i'm just we have to get michael bumpus on this show (laughs) there's no way he's doing something more important the talking to Alan right now. He actually, uh, I, I looked it up. He actually works for the Seahawks in like their like video. He's on like their pre or post game show or something like that. 
I'm gonna cry. That is such good news. So we have an address then. Yes. So we can we can reach him. Yeah. So you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> so uh, that being out of the way, Michael Bumpus is Michael Bumpus for this episode. Let's get into our top undrafted NFL players. And I'll get started with my number three. Uh, and I feel like uh, an easy position for undrafted players is special teamers, because if your team, sorry, Peck, but if your team is drafting a kicker or a punter, uh, you're setting yourself up for failure. So my number three is Justin Tucker. Uh, kicker for the Ravens, who is, uh, at this point, we can say he is the best kicker of all time. And any AFC North player, Aaron, Allen, you guys know, when you're playing the Ravens and there's any possibility of a kick at the end of the first half or at the end of the game, Justin Tucker's making that kick. There's it's nothing over. You're, you can do team lost. Yeah, yep, your 100%. team is going to lose. And uh, I have another kicker very close to my heart, but... I mean, I, I have to say, uh, Justin Tucker is the best kicker of all time, and that is a it's an incredible weapon for a football team to have. Uh, when you have a kicker that can make it from 66 fucking yards away to win a game with ice in his veins. So Justin Tucker is going to three. I, uh, I fucking hate Justin Tucker. Of yeah, course I you do. Hate. He's the best. He never misses. Of course you hate and, him. Uh, I and got, I got a permanent stink face on when Justin <laughs> Tucker comes up or comes on the TV, anything at all. Uh, he's cost the Browns uh, a, just a, an uncountable number of games. Yeah. And uh, and so, yeah, that's about all I have to say about Justin Tucker. I, he's not. He's not as terrible looking as Ben Roethlisberger. That's objectively true. Yeah, I was like, Alan, you're better nice looking than Ben it. Roethlisberger. I'll tell yeah, you this. No, so, I, yeah. uh, so uh, I know one Ravens fan, and it's Amanda Clunk. I don't know if you guys remember her from high school, but she's uh, she was uh, she was like choreographer on like a musical or two I did. So we always had this weird little ah Raven Steelers. One time, Justin Tucker hit a game winner against the Steelers, and she sent me a picture of him after he kicked it, and he had a full on erection. It was. <laughs> and she she prefaced this uh, message to me by like. Having a send you a picture of Justin Tucker being the Steelers and having a boner, but I Justin Tucker has a giant fucking dick, dude. Which I feel like <laughs> if you took a poll of like the biggest dicks in football, like kickers would be at the end of that list. But like, <laughs> like Justin Tucker had a full on uh, throbbing erection, beating the Steelers from like forty eight in Heinz Field, and I, I saw that, and like my immediate reaction was clearly I'm turned on, but my second reaction was like, what a fucking moment! To, like being a kicker would be, I mean, just that that one singular moment of like everything coming down to you, where you gotta slap yourself in the face, smell the salts, and go out there and fucking take this game over like nobody else can help you here like you know so i i like justin tucker i think i don't think he's the best kicker of all time uh no, but I, w- I i will concede that he is one of the two or three best kickers of all time new top three topic we're we're jettisoning the undrafted players and we're going to do top three <laughs> nfl position groups by average dick size oh my god <laughs> <laughs> It's really weird that defensive linemen are second to last. That's so crazy. Yeah. How strange. <laughs> Kick return specialists. 
I number mean, two. He's, he's good, but he's he's upper echelon, but he's not my number one as far as kicker goes. He's getting uh-huh. there, but I mean, Adam Vinatieri is my guy. He's the best kicker in the AFC North right now. I'll give him that. He's the best I kicker mean. in the NFL for the last 10 years. And Chris uh, Boswell's like a, a, an all-time kicker too. I think he's like very close to Justin Tucker in like all-time like field goal percentage. So like I think the Steelers right now have the best kicker Pittsburgh has ever had, and he's still not as good as Justin Tucker. Yeah, and he sings, he sings opera too, doesn't he? On the side, I think he's a what? He's an opera singer. Oh, that's bro. Cool. I feel I feel like I've that heard that before. That is good. That is why is my boater so sideways? Right, so, right <laughs> so if you if you want stats, okay, Justin Tucker has the NFL record for career field goal percentage. He's number one, and the record for longest field goal by three yards over the second longest ever made. Oh shit! So, Who did he kick that against? Do you have that? That info was this, on you? that was this year against the Lions, I think. Right? Oh shit! Yeah. I don't it know. Was, I mean, That's I don't remember this who year, it was yeah. against, but it was what is this that year. like? Was that like sixty-six 60? yards? Jesus Christ. So literally his field goal range is get the ball to midfield. And that's his field goal range. (laughs) So yeah. Anyway, that's my number three, Justin Tucker. Uh, Aaron, what's your number three? All right. My number three is somebody who doesn't have like a lot of accolades. He is a uh, Pittsburgh Steeler and has cemented himself by having one or two like really, uh, really good seasons. My number three is going to be number 39 fast Willie Parker. Uh, cool. And, and, and again, you know, I, I kind of made mention of this a little earlier, but the, the underdog story is like, you know, it's the coolest part of this top three and Willie Parker, I feel like had one of the, craziest underdog story so willie parker did not even start in college uh he was the backup running back for the university of north carolina uh and i believe the story goes that the steelers sent some scouts to the university of north carolina and one of the guys there just happened to see willie parker uh practicing and they were like yo you you know that dude's really good maybe he just doesn't necessarily fit uh, you know what north carolina is trying to do uh so they bring willie parker on and willie parker makes the team absolutely no chance of playing jerome bettis is there uh, and this is 2006. This is our senior year of high school, the, the, the first time the Steelers won the Super Bowl in our lifetime. Uh, and Deuce Staley, who we had just grabbed. Uh, before the beginning of the season, Jerome Bettis got hurt, Deuce Staley got hurt, and Willie Parker had to be the starter for Pittsburgh that year. Um, it, he, he played awesome. I think he had like 124 and like two touchdowns in his first game against Tennessee that year. And that was a year, you know, Tennessee had that scary, scary fucking defense. Uh, and they had Steve McNair. Um, and uh, another thing about Willie Parker is, and I believe this holds to this day, is he has the longest uh, rush in Super Bowl history. Uh, which was 75 yards and is the only reason Pittsburgh outside of their defense, the only reason Pittsburgh's offense did anything against Seattle in that Super Bowl. So uh, when I'm talking about, you know, supreme underdog stories, somebody that like doesn't make the all time lists of undrafted players and like what they meant to a team who went on a Super Bowl run, Willie Parker jumped into my mind right away. So uh, my number three, 39 fast Willie Parker. Number one for worst nickname in the world. Just oh, I fast. agree. People, people from Pittsburgh aren't good at words and stuff, Alan. No, that's true. 
I yeah. didn't realize, and this may not be uh, up to date, but he uh, holds the single uh, single uh, game rushing record for uh, Pittsburgh. That's pretty. Oh impressive. really? That's that is impressive. Yards. You, you I know what team that. he broke it against? Was it Tampa? No, it was Cleveland. Yeah, it was Cleveland. <laughs> hell, of yeah, hell yeah! <laughs> and and I'll tell you, it was like. It was, it was in that weird era of like, you know, Pittsburgh over like the last 30 or 40 years where like they had already established themselves as like this hard nosed like power running team. They had had Bettis for so long and they had signed Deuce Staley like as his sort of like heir apparent, like another guy who was just good out of the backfield, just strong, you know, hard nosed runner. Uh, and Willie Parker came in and he was like sort of like the type of running back that you the prototypical running back that you see today he was he was speed he was he he wasn't hitting linebackers in the face it, it was a lot of counters a lot of traps a lot of like weird inside shit where like the running back would you, you know avoid contact and hope you know run him 35 times a game willie parker's eventually going to find you know a hole where he can you know gape like 35 45 yards so it, but but like i said he was paramount to the steelers getting that super bowl that year not only that he performed in the super bowl and like i said when it comes to underdog story the guy didn't even start in college like you know and he gets a, like a fringe spot on the pittsburgh running back core both their running backs go down he comes in and he started for three or four years like you know the dude has two super bowls so i i, I just I, I really like willie parker and uh he did you know i He's just—he's a different breed of running back than the Steelers are normally accustomed to having. Yeah, I—I mean, I don't remember a ton about him specifically, but I do remember him like, you know, running really well uh, for the Steelers on those teams that were like actually good, unlike this year's Steelers team and last year's Steelers team too. Yeah. Oh, you mean a playoff team and a team that might make the playoffs? (laughs) Fair enough. Might Fair enough. make the playoffs. Oh, they're I know. they're totally not making the playoffs. I, I, know. I know. I don't know why. But I by said the it. time by the time this episode comes out, we'll it'll be in the middle of the playoffs. So like, it'll it'll probably be like uh, <laughs> fresh off the Steelers AFC Championship uh, game <laughs> win or something like that. <laughs> Stop it! I'm wearing my tight jeans. <laughs> <laughs> Who do they play? Who do they play next week? Baltimore. Tomorrow, I guess. Ooh. Oh, no, Lamar man. Jackson. No, Be- Lamar Jackson. The, beating they the Ravens three times in a row, you know? The, the may, bad thing is, is ja- Jacksonville has to beat Indianapolis for us to get in no matter what. If Jacksonville Ooh. beats Indianapolis, the winner of the Pittsburgh-Baltimore game goes to the playoffs. So it's like, we're not, neither one of us is going to the playoffs. Justin Tucker going home with that giant dick of his. <laughs> <laughs> that's I think that's the third overall time that Aaron Aaron's mentioned Justin Tucker's dick on the podcast. That was all the so, preparation Aaron did. For it was this like show. When you, yeah, it was like when you see a raccoon, you're like, "Oh shit, a raccoon!" You know. <laughs> and then you tell everybody you see for the next three days about that raccoon you saw, <laughs> and then make and then make molds of that raccoon. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's the exact same scenario. So anyway, uh, Alan, what's your number three? <laughs> I I actually went back and forth between three folks on this one. Um and I I wound up with Antonio Gates, tight end for the San Diego Chargers. Yeah. Hell fucking nice. yeah. Nice. Um I don't have a ton to say about him. I just really enjoyed watching him play. Uh his whole game was he just went over people uh because he was uh, a giant of a man, and he could jump like you wouldn't believe. 
he uh, played basketball at Kent State. Uh, shout out Ohio. Mm-hmm. Um, Word and, up. Uh, yeah, and that's that's it. Antonio Gates, tight end, San Diego Chargers. So and actually, also, go ahead. Go dude. ahead. Go ahead. No, I'll say uh, Antonio Gates is the all-time leader in receptions and reception yards and, I think, touchdowns in San Diego history, which is, you'd have to double-check me on that, but I, I know he's at least almost number one on all of those. That motherfucker is the best tight end to ever play football, by far, you know? And being undrafted out of a small school in Ohio, like, holy shit, dude, like, you know? Yeah. And it was in that weird era where tight ends were, like, also playing basketball. Like, you know what I mean? Um, but, yeah, Antonio Gates is the greatest tight end to ever play the game, and I guarantee you, like, go look at the all-time tight end records. If it's not Tony Gonzalez, it's him. You know what I mean? That hat that that's next in line for whatever statistic that might possibly be. But yeah, Antonio Gates is Antonio Gates is like the greatest. Well, you got to put it in perspective too, because I mean, yeah, look at that roster. LT was on that roster. Uh, Vincent Jackson, and there's another wide receiver up there too. So like that was a loaded. David Boston. After <laughs> <laughs> the David Boston era. So the fact that he was, you know, still doing his thing with that roster is pretty impressive. Yeah, he's right. um, he's number one all time in receiving touchdowns for a tight end with 116. And so I I thought when you said that I was like, oh, Gronk has to be close, and Gronk is not close. Gronk is uh, he has 92, so he's not close. Um, even though he played with That's Tom Brady, throwing a million touchdowns every year for his whole career. Um, also, like I remember. Uh, Gates like retired and then he came back like a year later or something like that when he was he he basically like didn't have any athleticism left but he was still like one of the best tight ends in the league because he's he was so good at just like running routes and understanding where he would be open and he just like came back and he like suited up without playing for like the last year and he was like okay put me in all right I'll score two touchdowns in this game no problem I remember watching jump his ball, last game. Yeah, I remember watching like his last game live. And if I'm not like mistaken, he had one or two touchdowns like in his last game when he was like moving like he was moving like Ben Roethlisberger, like straight up. Yeah, and he dude. was still going out there and he had like I, I don't remember the exact stats, but I remember watching the game. He had a touchdown. He had a couple receptions. Like it's really amazing what you can do if you can still like jump high, body somebody, and not drop the football. And like you know, you you get that from like an all-time tight end you can he could probably come back like next year and still get a couple of touchdowns like let's be fair here yeah probably because he he doesn't like at the end of his career he wasn't jumping over people he was just like i understand i see what the defense is and i understand exactly how to be open for 11 yards every single play i think just the fact he took a time off like that and then came back is just impressive yeah it's crazy I don't know for the listeners who don't don't understand. Like, I think the farther up you get in the level, so like high school, college, and the pro, like the biggest change isn't necessarily strength and speed. Like everyone, everyone is fast. Everyone is strong. It's getting used to the speed of the game. So not necessarily the the player speed, but the speed of the game, and then the cognition to recognize what's going on. I remember playing college ball, getting down to my first my first full contact at practice. 
getting in a three-point stance and getting ready to go, and the play was already over. I thought, holy <laughs> shit, dude, what the heck just happened? Yeah. <laughs> so the fact that he could take time off at that age and then come back and play to, to that level, maybe not to his top level, but to some level, at an NFL level, is impressive. <laughs> yeah, it, it's crazy. And, like, if I remember right, he joined, like, in the middle of the season. It wasn't like he had, like, training camp to get ready and stuff. It was just like, hey, Gates, you want to, like, just get in here, you know, week eight? He was like, yeah, sure, I got you. 75 receiving yards, no problem. <laughs> and that Chargers team, just another one of the victims of the Tom Brady era. Like, that, they had maybe the best offense in football for five, six years, and yeah, I, I never got team. to a single Super Bowl. Like, fucking nuts, man. Yeah, scary team. It wasn't Tom Brady's fault. It was Marty Schottenheimer's fault. All right. I mean, I, I, it was Philip Rivers. Like, let's be fair. It was Philip Rivers. One hundred percent. Nine time father, eleven time choke artist. Uh, ooh. Uh, all right. So, uh, Peck, what's your number three? Yeah, so uh, my list is a little heavy. No pun intended, since I did play on the both sides of the line. So my let's number. Go. Three is actually Jeff Saturday. Yeah. Um, Hell yeah, dude. Hell so, yeah. You know, center for the Indianapolis Colts uh, when Peyton Manning was around. And then also I think he took some snaps for Aaron Rodgers his last, uh, his last season before he retired. So Super Bowl champion, four, or six-time Pro, Pro Bowl, two-time first-team All-Pro, uh, Indianapolis Colts ring of honor, uh, did some ACC stuff. I think the most impressive stat is he played 14 seasons, and he only allowed seven and a half sacks. That yeah, is that's insane. That's wild. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I don't. I mean, th th those th those stats right there speak for itself. Um, you know, just amazing player. I, I know that you know Peyton Manning made a lot of players famous, but you know, he needed the line to protect him, and you know Jeff Saturday was definitely that anchor for him. So. Yeah, it's super cool, and it's like. I, I, I'm glad you brought him up and I, he's someone on the listener responses, put him on the list too, but I'm glad you brought him up because I feel like, like interior offensive linemen are basically anonymous throughout the league for like average people who are watching and defensive linemen too, unless it's like, you know, Aaron Donald or someone like that. But like, there's a bunch of like really good, like late round picks or like undrafted picks on like in centers and guards throughout the league. And just people just never talk about them. But, like, I'm sure that having a center as good and as smart as Jeff Saturday made Peyton Manning's career, like, a lot, a lot better. Well, and the center is like the middle linebacker for the offense. You know, the quarterback's making adjustments and he's calling things out. But, like, the protection, the slide protection, you know, identifying the, the, the Mike and Will linebacker, identifying blitzes. You know, obviously the quarterback has a better view, but that center is making all those calls too. That's not necessarily the quarterback's job. So on top of like having a 350 pound man nose to nose against you and having to snap the ball and then try to block the guy, he's got to make all those calls pre-snap too. So it's just, uh, he's got, he's a pretty smart fellow. Long story short. Yeah. <laughs> Another reason why we don't talk about him a lot is because like it's uh, playing offensive line is sort of like playing corner. Like, the less they say your name, the better you are at your job, you know, which is why a lot of these offensive linemen, uh, you know, remain anonymous. So let, let, let's let's like theorize a little bit here. Is he the best center of that era? 
Like, is there is there another center that you can clearly say was way way better than Jeff or that was better than Jeff Saturday? Because again, it would it would liken back to Antonio Gates, where it's like an undrafted guy who was arguably the best at his position for eight years. You know, I would think, and that's I think it's a different era. I maybe put the Pouncey, the one the Pouncey twins there, but you know, I think that's a different era. But uh, and he's the only center I can think of from that era too. So my my short answer is yes. LaCharles Bentley. LaCharles <laughs> <Okay. laughs> yeah. Bentley was good until the Browns ruined his career. Yeah. <laughs> Send him to Cleveland. We'll give him staff. <laughs> we'll give him $85 million. <laughs> yeah, yeah, great pick. I'm, I'm glad I, Jeff Saturday was on my short list of honorable mentions. Like, And what's really crazy is like, you know, his post-football career, like it, it's really weird, I think, to make like an offensive lineman like personable, you know, to a degree. And he's been able to like take that and like launch an entire career out of being like a personable dude. But you go on YouTube right now, you can find a million videos of Peyton Manning telling Jeff Saturday to shut the fuck up and play center. <laughs> it's 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 very funny. <laughs> I love him on ESPN too. So yeah, he's I like that he's got some shine now too. Yeah. It, it it's cool. I mean like you you think like uh someone who played center uh, as well as someone who played quarterback would basically be the best kind of person to be on TV explaining the game to people if that's what you're after. I I don't actually I don't watch the the stuff that he's on cuz I don't have I don't even live in the country so I don't have ESPN but I don't know is he is he one of those teacher types like Romo was was doing or is he doing the like Booger McFarlane thing? I would say it's a little bit of half and half. So he does a little bit of that Booger McFarlane thing, but then he also does, uh, you know, does some of the teaching. Um, he actually, they do a segment every week. Uh, I think it's, it's one of the shows I listen to going to work, um, get up with Mike Greenberg, but like they actually do a, a segment where they highlight, you know, what good offensive line play. So it's been kind of nice to see the hog mollies get a little more credit here recently. Yeah. And he's responsible. For what, it, so. did, what did you call him? The hog mollies. Hog mollies. I like that. <laughs> I <yeah>. love it. <laughs> yeah. And that's been one of the cool things about, um, like, so I guess if he's talking about that too, but also for people listening, they're like, I don't know, if you're not on Twitter, congratulations because Twitter is a hellscape. But there are so many people on Twitter that are doing like great teaching of like football, like film breakdown stuff in like short <laughs> clips and tweets and stuff like that. And, a lot of them are focusing on like interior offensive line, like what centers and guards are doing. And it's really, really cool to learn about like what they have to do. So it's cool. They're doing like a national segment about that too. So yeah, good pick Jeff Saturday. It's pretty cool. Undrafted play with Peyton Manning for your, basically your entire career, win a Super Bowl. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. All right, so my number two, get my notes back here. My number two is, I think, the person that, if we weren't going to Michael Bumpus, Michael Bumpus, um, this would have been my, like, hey, we have to Michael Bumpus, Kurt Warner, right? That's my number two, yeah. is Kurt Warner. Correct. And uh, he's not my number one because, uh, well, you'll see. But Kurt Warner uh, is my number two, and for for people listening, if you're not a big football fan, you're just listening because you love us. Uh, we love you too. 
here's Kurt Werner's story. And I think this is the most like Hollywood story of any player in the NFL, like in NFL history. So um, Kurt Warner, undrafted, tried out for the Packers, got cut. He went to work at a grocery store and tried to catch on with another team. Went to the Arena Football League and balled out. He had a video game named after him uh, in an Arena Football game. Um, Before the uh, Arena Football season in 1997, this is something that I didn't know. I was doing some research and found out. Warner got a tryout with the Chicago Bears. And, like, we know Warner is good, so maybe he would have made the team. But he got bit by a spider during his honeymoon and had, an, had like, a bad <laughs> elbow because of it, and he couldn't do the tryout, so he got cut from the Bears. So, like, I was at that drinking point, something. <laughs> what? At that point, you're just like, okay, I got cut. I worked in a fucking grocery store. Uh, I had this chance. This is my chance. And then I got bit by a goddamn spider and couldn't do my tryout for the Bears. <laughs> and then, but he got uh, attention from the Rams. Uh, was entered in the expansion draft in 1999, and the Browns did not draft him. Congratulations, Browns. Uh, entered the season, yeah, entered the 99 season as a backup, and then Trent Green got hurt, and the rest is history. He goes on to become the only undrafted player to ever win the MVP and the only undrafted player to ever win the Super Bowl MVP. So, like, this it's just an insane story for Kurt Warner, and he was one of my favorite quarterbacks the whole time he was playing. And he went to the Giants, and he was, like, real bad on the Giants, and that made me sad. And then he went to the Cardinals and took them to the Super Bowl, too. So uh, on a, like, a just a really fun Cardinals team that ended up losing to the Steelers in the Super Bowl because they couldn't fucking tackle James Harrison or whoever the fuck was. Who was, was that Joey Porter or James Harrison, Aaron? It was James Harrison. Yeah. James Harrison, uh, running as fast as I do down the field and they just couldn't tackle him. But anyway, he really stepped fun. out of bounds. <laughs> We're not. I don't remember he that stepped way. Stepped Out of bounds. Everybody yeah. <laughs> go back and watch the tape. I don't ever see that. Kurt Warner, just a, a fantastic story, and uh, not just the story. He's legit one of the best quarterbacks to ever play. Fantastic. So that's my number two. I think what's most impressive is he got, like, a honeymoon, right? Like, how do you convince a woman to marry you if you work at a go- grocery store? Uh, but uh, I'll, I'll tell you this just real quick. Like, Kurt Warner, my just an awesome football player, and, and I'll tell you this, uh, when – the Steelers were prepped to be in that Super Bowl. I remember watching the NFC Championship game, and I was like, "Please do not let the Cardinals win," because if there is one team, or if there is one team that I want to win a Super Bowl this year, that's not Pittsburgh; it's Arizona. Because I wanted Kurt Warner to get that last Super Bowl before he retired. That would have been a cool story. Also, about four or five years ago, there was a rumor about a uh, Kurt Warner movie being made, which actually was made this year. Uh, starring some guy from a superhero movie. But when it initially came out, uh, the actor that was rumored to play Kurt Warner was Denzel Washington. And I thought, I was like, (laughs) all right, so Denzel gets another Oscar. Cool. Like, I was like, this is going to be the greatest football movie of all time if Denzel (laughs) plays Kurt Warner. Uh, And it came out this year, and I was like, oh, shit, hell yeah, that Denzel, Kurt Warner. And it was just like, 
the guy, I, I don't even know what the movie he's from is, but uh, yeah, no, Kurt Warner is fucking awesome. And like, what well, what was the what was the nickname of that Rams offense? The greatest show on turf. Objectively, yes. a great offensive great. nickname, like uh, offensive unit nickname. Yeah, Kurt Warner is one of the best ever do it short career, but like. I mean, shit, even that, like, Titans-Rams Super Bowl is one of the greatest all-time Super Bowls, you know? And it he is, pulled yeah. it out. And and that Steelers-Cardinals Super Bowl is one of the greatest Super Bowls ever played, and he almost, almost I mean, got he, that one too, man, yeah. He, he should have won. I mean, he did basically win them that game. It was just the Steelers drove down real fast and had, like, one of the best catches ever in a Super Bowl by Santonio correct. Holmes. Yeah. Correct. Uh, I'm looking at the cast of that movie. Uh, the guy who plays Kurt Warner starred in Chuck, so cool. And uh, oh. <laughs> and uh, Dennis Quaid, who is I think it's a I think it's like a rule of the universe at this point. If you're making a sports movie, Dennis Quaid has to be a part of it. So there we go. He, he's very good at saying the GD word. <laughs> Dennis Quaid plays old Kurt Warner. Is is that what I'm to understand then? He no, plays he plays Dick Vermeil. Yeah, he plays Dick, Dick Vermeil. Yeah. <laughs> Nice. Kurt Warner was actually, he was one of those three guys that was, uh, that I was wavering with for number three. I didn't put him on the list because he didn't catch Joey Porter. Uh, um, yeah. <laughs> it was James Harrison. You're, you're James just Harrison, Sorry. Me. Shut up. I, I... <laughs> so he had, he, he was not able to catch LeVon Kirkland running down the field. Oh my God, dude! I love Levon Kirkland so much. We don't, don't. Let's not go here. I love him so much. So, uh, Kurt Warner is actually my number one. Um, okay. I will, uh, I will, yeah, and I, it's it was a toss up. This was really hard for me, by the way. But um, the only thing I like to add is that Rams that they, they they were the kryptonite to my Bucks a couple times. Um, you know, the, the infamous mm. NFC championship game where we held the greatest show on turf to a six, five score into the fourth quarter, you know, Jeez. Tampa, Tampa Bay had a stout defense and we shut them out until the fourth quarter. And they wind up, I think they kicked the, I think they wind up getting a, a, some, some BS reception. I don't really want to talk about it, but you know, they, <laughs> basically that was, that was supposed to be our year to go to the Super Bowl, And, uh, you know, Trent Dilfer and Sean King couldn't do it for us. Kurt Warner had to take the glory for us. So, uh, yeah, he's my number one. You know, we talked enough about him. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Feel free to uh, I, I, feel free to switch out if you want. I, I like how Peckham's like. I hate all these great quarterbacks. <laughs> <laughs> I love Tom Brady. <laughs> well, I mean, if you if didn't three years ago, shut up. <laughs> if if you're a football fan long enough and you really care about your team, then you're going to end up hating 85% of the league. That's just the way it works. <laughs> that's how football works. Yeah, that's, that's, how, that's how sports fandom is mental illness. We've it's, been over this it's before. healthy, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, Aaron, who's your number two? All right, my number two is, can't remember his number. I was going to do the number thing the whole episode, and I've already forgotten this guy's number. Uh, but it is Wes Welker. Um I am a huge, first off, Wes Welker is 5'8", 185 pounds. That was his playing height and weight through most of his career. And I'm 5'8", and a while ago, I was 185 <laughs> pounds. Uh, so, like, just imagining uh, 
a wide receiver uh, playing like, you know, at my size is absolutely incredible. Uh, I'm always going to be an advocate of any time I see a short white guy playing any professional sport that's not baseball. I'm automatically going to love him no matter what team he's on. He played for the Patriots for a while and crazy stat never, never won a Super Bowl. With New England, like he was on that team for a while, never yeah. was on a Super Bowl team. Fam- famously, uh, couldn't catch a bad pass in a Super Bowl because he's five foot eight. Hey, listen, man, you know there there are downfalls to being my size. There are very few, but there are some. <laughs> uh, but I, I'm always going to be a fan of not only a short white guy, like actually like being able to play the sport, but being able to play wide receiver. You know, when I was little and I, I played, like wide receiver was all I wanted to be. Like, you know, that, that, that's, that, that's how that, that, that to me is the coolest position to play in football and to see somebody my size, uh, being able to go out there and play it is awesome. Uh, I, I have, this is the only thing I can, I, I can't really talk about Wes Welker a lot cause he played with Tom Brady and I hate him. Uh, but he does have a lot of really like obscure records. So I'm just going to read a couple of them. Uh, he has the most seasons with 115 plus receptions, which is crazy. Uh, he has the most games with 13 plus catches, which is also nuts. Uh, he has the most games with 10 receptions in a season. Uh, he has the most receptions of any undrafted free agent in NFL history. He has the he has a tied record for the longest touchdown reception in NFL history, which is 99 yards. Uh, and another one of the things that he was really good at, he was a really good uh, kick and punt returner. Uh, he had a bunch of kick return touchdowns, but as a punt returner, he has two really weird records. He has the most career punt returns without a touchdown and the most career punt return yards without a touchdown. Um he has tons of Dolphins, Patriots uh, records. He is now like a coach with the Texans, uh, which is really, really cool. Uh, and, and, and like I said, like like an undersized NFL player, you have that underdog story. People probably told him his whole career he he, he would not be able to play at that level. Uh, and he he like I said, he he uh, he etched out like a really extensive and impressive career. So uh, my number two is going to be Wes Welker. It's pretty crazy that he played for the Patriots during what I think is the best stretch of like the Patriots were their best, but didn't win a Super Bowl there. That's the craziest stat he then, has. That was the thing Eli, that blew my mind. Eli the most. was his kryptonite, man. He lost yeah. to Eli twice, didn't he? So probably so he played for the Patriots during that time. How's that, Welker? On what I think were the best <laughs> offenses the that the Patriots had, and they didn't win a Super Bowl. Then he went to the Broncos. And he played for the Broncos for a couple of years. And then they won the Super Bowl the year after he left the Broncos. Right. So, yeah, he's, I just, I feel like he should have had one at least in there at some point. He deserved one, you know, but uh, like, like I said, that's why I had to put him on the list. He, uh, again, he's one of those undrafted players who was probably told that like his physical attributes were not enough to contribute to any football team. And he turned that on his head. I remember when he played for the Dolphins in his early career, there was that uh, really crazy Steelers-Dolphins game when that hurricane went through Pittsburgh. It ended up being a 3 nothing game, and neither the Dolphins nor the Steelers could move the football. Like The Dolphins got close a lot of times because Wes Welker was the only person out there getting yards for them on kicks on kick and punt returns. Like you know, I remember watching that game just being like, holy fuck, I hate Wes Welker. Why don't you just stop returning the ball so perfectly so we could get out of here with this W? But... Hey, think- yeah, like, like like I said, he he was a reliable weapon for Tom Brady. He should have won a Super Bowl. He has a 
I, I mean, the, the guy's got to be like in an X uh, year span. Like he had to have led the league in receptions multiple times just based on these things I'm looking at. Do you think he set, do you think he like gave an opportunity to dudes like Julian Edelman and Cole Beasley and like little Hunter Renfro and like all those little white receivers who can just like play in the slot and just get open all the goddamn time? Like I feel like he was one of the first ones that I can remember. So what I'll say is I think he was one of the first ones to do it. I think the NFL has changed dramatically in what it was to what it is today. And I think the slot receiver is as crucially important as crucially yeah. important as it has ever been. And I think, you know, it really did lead the way for people who are maybe undersized to come into an NFL game and be able to contribute to the offense. But yeah, I would, I wouldn't say like he, he directly contributed to that thing, but he was definitely one of the pioneers of that sort of uh position for sure. I was about to say like, i I feel like Welker would have gotten destroyed if he played in the NFL in the eighties. Like Lawrence Correct. Taylor would 100%. have killed him like straight yeah. up. Yeah. But yeah. Cause you could like choke somebody out and break their yeah. spine and it's only but, like a 10 yard penalty. As far as I remember, like <laughs> as far as I remember, Welker had like 75 concussions playing during the yes. time period that he did play. So he Correct. still got beat the fuck up, beat the fuck up. It, same thing with Danny Woodhead. You, you know what I mean? Like the, <laughs> these players, they, they just could not like you're, you're small. Like, you know, your, your career is going to be long. Pounds. Is yeah. terrifying. Yikes. I mean, holy cow. Yeah, I have a He's trouser that's 185 pounds. <laughs> you better be fast, man. Yeah, I mean, and, 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 and he never dropped the ball. That was that, yeah. that you know, well, I that, that's the thing. He just they're, they're also they're also learning this with defensive players now, where it's like it's actually it's okay if you're a little bit small because it's hard for people to get their hands on you and like hit you really hard if you're really small. It's why like Lamar Jackson had like a freak injury a couple weeks ago, but he really doesn't get hit hard ever because he's so quick and like you can't like hit stick someone like that. It just so happens that like, you know, playing football is really dangerous and Welker got a shitload of concussions just from, you know, playing football. Well, the rule changes help with that too. Um, yeah, for not, sure. I, I, I don't know. I'm not saying I'm against the changes because I do want people to be safe, but, uh, yeah, the, the rules have definitely helped with that, too. Yeah. Um, do you ever just wonder, like, did Peyton Manning and Tom Brady ever just have, like, a sidebar of cash for Wes Welker? Even, like, Julian Edelman, <laughs> like, hey, sorry you got blasted by James Harrison this week. Here's an extra 50K. No. Yeah. For that, no, for that, 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 <laughs> no, that, that, that sidebar was the contract they signed before the season started. Like, you know what I mean? That was... Hey, I'm making you money now, so you have to go get in a car accident every seven every, minutes. Yeah, yeah. But it, it's but it's like it's it's especially for Welker. It's especially like, hey, uh, we're gonna run. You know, you're gonna run like 35 crossing routes in this game right across the linebackers. So like, you're gonna get fucked up a couple of times. Here's a little something something on the side. I'm sure he bought him like a Rolex or something. As a defensive oh, yeah. player, we, we love the blast the little guys. Yes, it, yeah, it's like, sure. even, even, I mean, I was a nose tackle. And every time I got a chance to hit somebody that small, let's do it because I'm yeah, I'm, I'm like, you don't go back into yeah, the game. Yeah, like, <laughs> who the fuck are you to think yeah. you can come on our side of the field? Yeah, I played an error where CTE wasn't a thing. We didn't know what that was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. And, and like, straight the fuck up, like, you know, like, and, and this is why, like, I don't give a shit if, like, you know, players are getting the fuck kicked out of them their entire careers is because it's like you have the option to say no 
this isn't a sentence, you know, Wes Welker went out and did that, you know, and I, if it, you know, like everybody has that like part of them, that's like, you know, there are a couple things that I could do at an NFL level that I'm better at than this player, blah, 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 blah. When I saw somebody my size, like Wes Welker going out or like Julian Edelman going out and play football, I was like, I would die. I would not make it. I would die immediately. And they would bury my bones in my most hated team's field. Cause like, that's how, like, you know, so I, uh, we don't have to talk about Wes Welker anymore, but tiny fucking man, strong man, but fucking, you, you gotta get, you gotta give it to somebody who doesn't have what are necessarily like the accepted attributes of the player at his position to go out and make a very lucrative and, and actually like astonishingly like impressive statistical career as well. So, yeah. And I feel like Welker was one of the first guys uh, where people started to have this idea where they were like, you don't you don't really need to run the ball if you have a quarterback who can complete a four or five yard pass Correct. to Welker whenever the fuck they want to. You don't really need Absolutely. to run the ball. Uh, so I feel like uh, the Patriots especially did that because they had shitty running backs for like the last 15 years. So anyway, um, Alan, who's your number two? My number two is who I think is the greatest kicker of all time. And that is number four, Phil Dawson. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. Great kicker. Phil Dawson, Cleveland Browns clicker, kicker, undrafted. Uh, had a little bit of a rough start to the beginning of his career, but man, did he come through the older he got. He aged like a fine wine. Um, I remember in you know the early 2000s when he he was starting out I would get worried every time he kicked a 40-yard field goal but buddy by the end of his days with the Browns uh, it could be it could be a 60-yarder and I I would feel okay about it um I have one game that I particularly remember for Phil Dawson and I had to look it up because I wasn't sure when it happened uh, it happened in 2007 and I called off work because I couldn't stop watching. It took forever. Um, so end of regulation, Browns down by three. Uh, I was a 51-yard field goal he had to kick, and they were playing Baltimore. Uh, so he kicks the ball. It bounces off the left upright, bounces across the crossbar, hits the curved portion in the back, and then bounces back out onto the field. I remember that. Right. And so they call it no good because of course they do. They're NFL refs. Um, <laughs> and, and, uh, and it's, uh, it wasn't a reviewable play, uh, you know, cause the uh, NFL rules didn't provide for it. They're like, Oh, this will never happen. Uh, but in a completely unbrowned stroke of luck, the referees changed their mind and gave them the field goal. And then, you know, they went on to overtime. Phil Dawson kicked another field goal. And the to Browns win. won 33-30 to win. To win, ladies and gentlemen. This was 2007, mind you. 10 and 6 Browns. Yeah. The, that was crazy, too, because after they said he missed that kick, like, people ran on the field. Like, players went back to the locker room and shit. Like, the game was over. Um, and everyone was treating it like it was over. So I remember that because like 
uh, pe- uh, dude, people were so fucking salty that they reversed that call, even though it was clearly like he clearly made it and it was the right call. Yeah, no, it, w- it was incredible. It was incredible. And like I said, you just you couldn't stop watching, even though they were like the game's over. The players left the field. The cameras kept rolling. It was just focusing on the refs sitting down there talking. Yeah. Um, you know, so it was uh, one of the one of the most Browns experiences of my life, except they wound up winning at the end. Yeah. So they even better. And they renamed they named that the Phil Dawson rule or like the Phil the Dawson, Dawson, Dawson rule. or something like that. Um, what what Alan didn't mention about Phil Dawson is that other than that 2007 season, all the way until when he left the team in like, I don't know, 2012 or 2013 or something like that. He was like by far the Browns' best source of offense, uh, other <laughs> than that 2007 wild. season. He's, he's probably our all-time leading scorer. I don't know. I didn't oh, check. He, I didn't check the record. I, I would bet a hundred dollars. He one hundred percent is. Besides, he, maybe like Jim Brown. No, he probably is because kickers are always the all-time leading scorer for teams. Um, They're always close. Lou Groza was on the Browns, so I mean, he played for a little bit of time. Um, he's an all-time great, so he probably scored some points. But Phil Dawson, like, legit was the only reliable source of, well, one of the only reliable sources of offense uh, in the in those, like, Browns teams between, like, basically from the time they returned until he left the team, it was like, okay, this team sucks. Like, they're going to get down in the red zone sometimes. They're not going to score a touchdown because Charlie Fry is playing quarterback. So, like, just forget about that. <laughs> but if you get the ball past the 40, Phil Dawson is an autom- basically an automatic three points. He's, like, I think, I love Phil Dawson. I think Justin Tucker's a better kicker because Justin Tucker can kick it from literally the other side of the field, you know? But, like... Uh, I have so much love for Phil Dawson because he was the only reliable person on the team other than Joe Thomas, basically, for his entire career, except for those two times they had, like, decent teams. And I'll say this. I have a lot of, like, you know, like, I have a lot of memories of Phil Dawson specifically because he is, like, your guys' most reliable source of offense besides who Allen is wearing on his jersey right now. Yeah. Uh, but... <laughs> But uh, I, I, I'll always have that, like, you know, that memory of Phil Dawson. Where it's like he comes out, they put it down, you know, it's going in, you know, it's going to sting. He puts it up right through the uprights. He walks off the field. Steelers are still winning by like 38 or whatever, but like he yeah. is, you no, know, you know, you're not getting shut out if you have Phil Dawson on your team. And I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll say this. I think Phil Dawson might be the best kicker of all time if the Browns gave him as many opportunities to score as they did as Justin Tucker gets for Baltimore. That's all I'll say. Yeah. Phil Dawson was the best kicker in the era, and nobody ever talked about him because you know, no offense, he played Chuck in Cleveland. I couldn't get him to midfield, man. Chuck Fry couldn't, couldn't man, get him there. Couldn't do it. You know? Couldn't Sean Kaiser or Jeff Garcia. We <laughs> game's tired. Game's Phil tired Dawson also gets Tucker. he gets so much credit for like being able to kick in all the shitty weather in. Baltimore and Pittsburgh and Cleveland and, and Cleveland. Cincinnati for his whole mm-hmm. career. Yeah. All that shitty weather. He has a special flag in the Brown Stadium uh, because no one else knows how the wind works in Brown <laughs> Stadium except Phil Dawson. <laughs> he figured it out. He spent so much time there. He's like, guys, <laughs> maintenance. I need a flag up in this corner. It's the only place that tells the wind true. They, they ain't got no scientists in it. Cleveland. 
It's all those fumes of the Cuyahoga River. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> Kicker by trade, but he also just like figured out meteorology while he was playing yeah, in Cleveland. Amateur meteorologist. You, you gotta survive. You gotta survive in downtown Cleveland, dude. No matter what. Yeah. Oh, it's not that bad down there. And then he went to downtown the Cleveland's nice. Did he? He was he on the team, uh, the 49ers team that made the Super Bowl. Yes. Yeah. He was the kicker. He went to the 49ers after. I remember that. that. Yeah, he deserved a ring for sure. It was all that karma. Yeah. You know, he just he'd been banking it for years. Yeah. But then Joe Flacco went on like the hottest hot streak of all fucking time. (laughs) And Quan Bolden is the only reason they won a Super Bowl. Just saying. We're giving kickers too much love here. Uh, Heck anyway. football. He oh, fucking hates I can't so do it. <laughs> I, I have like unresolved, uh, unresolved trauma from our high school days. We can't beat Pickwell. Oh, yeah, I remember. <laughs> yeah, he missed an extra point. What was that kid's name? Let's put him on blast. Trevor? Oh, shit. Yeah, I remember that kid. Uh, all right. So, Peck, who's your number two? All right, so my number two is on the other side of the line. Uh, John Randall for the Minnesota Vikings. Totally. Um, If you don't know who this is, you've probably seen his highlights. He is just super energetic. Play in the 90s, just high energy, high high fun, just... Uh, just talked a whole lot of trash, but like kind of polite trash, almost kind of a Philip Rivers esque kind of trash talk. But uh, tons of energy. Um, six time first team All Pro, seven Pro Bowls, uh, sack leader in nineteen ninety seven. I think he's top ten all time sacks. I think he's got a hundred and thirty seven or hundred and thirty eight sacks of all time. So that's pretty freaking impressive. And that's a that's above LT. So. Um, if you have more sacks than Lawrence Taylor does, you've done something in your life as an NFL defensive lineman. Um, all 90s decade team. Uh, just tons of accolades. He was just awesome to watch. Um, one of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite, uh, I guess, uh, moments or audio clips as a defensive lineman is uh, he's on the sideline. And he goes, Regulators! Mount up and he runs off to the field. So just just that energy. I I I, I watched him in the nineties as a kid. I wanted to be a defensive lineman, you know, even in Pee Wee, which I guess is kind of weird for some people. But uh, you know, I just I wanted to be like him with that energy level. So yeah, that's my number two. Nice. I imagine when you're bigger than everybody, the idea of pushing around smaller people legally is <laughs> is very cool. So John Randall uh, is uh, on was on my short list of honorable mentions. Um, so uh, to uh, again, what uh, kind of what this whole thing is about? He was uh, an undersized uh, defensive lineman. Like that's kind of why he was like six one or something like that, and uh, he kind of used that. Uh, his whole career, I I don't remember exactly like what he said, but you're right. He was known for like trash talking and shit like that. Uh, another funny stat is he no other defense, no other player has sacked Brett Favre more times than John Randall. Uh, and there was a commercial in the '90s where John Randall put a Brett Favre jersey on a chicken and chased around the chi- <laughs> and, and chased around the chicken in the commercial, <laughs> which is very very funny. Uh, John Randall is the Vikings have had a lot of really really good defensive linemen over the last 20 years, and John Randall is by far maybe not by far, but you know 
one of the best defensive linemen uh, to ever play the game. And, 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 and again, it, you know, Tyler like put it out there, like the kind of stats he was putting up and stuff like that. A couple of these undrafted players that we're talking about are all time greats. Is he in the hall of fame? I think so, right? For, he he has to be. He's yeah, he's like like one hundred percent. One hundred thirty-seven sacks. He's there. Yeah, he's top, you know he's he's top ten in sacks for his entire career. And yeah. you, you got to think like being undersized for a defensive at, lineman. Yeah, crazy and it's pretty like, incredible. You know, if Six you're going to be undersized, yeah, if you're going to be undersized at any position, the last position you want to be undersized at is going to be on the line. And like the fact that the guy played at, you know, he was almost like, he was almost like a linebacker. You know what I mean? In terms of like what his size is like, like a big linebacker almost, but definitely too How small. How much did you say at. he weighed Peckham? He was six one two forty four. You know, put that, Whoa! Put, that in, put that in perspective. So, you know, the, the team, team ever remember, everyone remembers in the nineties is the Dallas Cowboys, you know, and they were infamous for that offensive line. I mean, those guys were big, like two, three sixty, three seventy. I bet, and I think their center was probably closer, push, pushing four hundred bills. Um, and that was probably the reason why the Cowboys were so good. That they had a Florida Gator running the ball, but that's beside the point. Um, uh, so yeah, for him to play D line against people of that size is pretty freaking impressive. Two forties, unreal. And it's yeah, a I mean, he, he was a power rusher. It, 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 he had finesse, obviously, but that dude was like a straight up punch you in the mouth. You can go. There's a uh, video I saw the other day where it was like John Randall doing uh, defensive lineman drills versus another person on the Vikings doing defensive lineman drills. And John Randall absolutely murdered those fucking like player pylons that they have. Like he was punching them in the fucking <laughs> face and like picking them up and throwing them. The dude had a motor and like, I, 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 I definitely thought about John Randall for my list, man. I just, I, I got a, I got a fucking boner for just some, <laughs> just, just some violent defensive lineman play. Is I it, really do. Is it a Justin Tucker ask boner? No, I'm an angle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, oh. it, it, it's like it's like good for my lineage, but it's not Justin Tucker. <laughs> so I didn't. I actually didn't remember John Randall. Uh, but from what you're talking about with him, I mean, like, uh, I just wonder what he would have been like today. They would have put him to some crazy uses at this point. In oh the yeah, NFL. for sure I mean, they would have. Yeah. I mean, he'd have been all over the place. Yeah. yeah, my my list is is really it's all players from at least the year two thousand on because like that's what I remember the most. But I definitely remember like right. like like basically watching football as a kid and like Pat Summerall saying John Randall or something like that. I definitely remember um, being <laughs> being on the TV. Um, but like I'm glad you brought up because undrafted players, a lot of them have this kind of story. They start out undrafted, so they start out as these just high energy dudes who never ever take a play off, like ever. And that's uh, a similar thing with my number one pick. For a lot of these guys, like they're not going to end up being Hall of Fame players like John Randall or some of the other guys we've talked about. But like that's how undrafted players have to be in order to make it, they have to be these just insane high motor dudes. So yeah, good pick and top 10 career sacks all time is, is uh pretty fucking good. And it's I would, nuts. I would guess that most of the other guys on that list are like, they're all high draft picks. I would guess. 
Yeah, he's uh, he's if we were doing top three D linemen, he'd be on my top three. Right, be probably him, Re- Reggie White, Warren Sapp, and John Randall. So yeah, yeah. All right. So let's take a little break. We'll hear from our sponsor, and then when we come back, it is time for number one picks. Hey everybody, before we do our number one picks, we'd like to talk to you about that magical drink, the one that makes this podcast possible. That's right, we're talking about coffee. At a top three podcast, we are in way different time zones, and we record super late at night for for most of us, actually, and coffee is what makes it all tick. We're proud to share with you one of our favorite local roasteries, Barbell Brew. Barbell Brew provides single-origin coffee beans that are air-roasted in small batches on location in Troy, Ohio, and they're available for shipping nationwide. Check them out at barbellbrew.com where you can find pre-ground or whole bean coffee in several different varieties, or sign up for their Coffee of the Month program for a curated caffeination experience. We also have an exclusive deal for our listeners. 20% off your first order using the promo code TOP3 at checkout. That's the promo code TOP3, that's the number three in there, at checkout, 20% off your first order. Barbell Brew also has a really cool program called Coffee for a Cause, where each month they donate a percent of their profits to a different charity. So follow them at Barbell Brew Coffee Roasters on Facebook and at Barbell Brew Coffee on Instagram, and check our episode description for links to those pages and their website so you can get your coffee on. Support local coffee roasters and taste the difference. All right, back to those number ones. back and my number one pick is uh you guys can't see but alan is wearing this guy's jersey right now it is uh if we did top three browns players uh, of my lifetime he would be on my list and it's none other than joshua motherfucking cribs my number one (laughs) undrafted player motherfucking cribs yeah uh so i wrote this down like when we when we had this topic i was like okay josh cribs is number one And then I'll think about the rest of my list. So he's another one of these great undrafted player stories. And I think he embodies, like, I don't think he's going to be a Hall of Famer, um, even though, in my opinion, he's the best. I think he's the best kick returner of all time. Devin Hester is the best punt returner of all time. I think Josh Cribbs is the best kickoff returner, which is sad because undrafted players are not going to be able to have the kind of career that Josh Cribbs made because there's no kick returns anymore. Uh, but Josh Cribbs, for anyone who's not a Browns fan, um, played QB in college. Uh, he was, you know, one of those dual threat QBs. He's just not not good enough to be a, an NFL quarterback. Um, signs on with the Browns because. Uh, he has athletic talent, and he's willing to just do whatever they ask him to do on special teams. And there's this podcast that Andre Knott did called Brownstown, where they go through um, basically year by year since the Browns came back and talk about all the shit 
that the team has been through. And Cribs does a, a, a lot of interview spots on that podcast. And he's talking about how the coaches were basically like, there's like other dudes on the team who thought like, I'm an undrafted player. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be the, the starting running back or I'm going to like become a starting quarterback or something like that. And Cribs was like, what do you need me to do to just make the team? And they were like, we need you to blow up wedges on kick returns, which is like the <laughs> most thankless job ever. And we need you to tackle dudes on punt returns. And then he was like, okay, I'll do that. And he was really good at that. He was the, he was the best Browns, like, like on the, on like the punt team, he was the best like tackler for years. He was the, he was the ace, man. I mean, yeah. wherever they put him on special teams, he did his job and he was the best they had. And then he got the job returning kicks because he he's he just had this like this insane sense for where things are going to open up. And he would just like take off in like a line and just make like a subtle cut in one way and then he'd just be off. And he wasn't super fast, uh but he like it was like Phil Dawson for several years the only chance the browns had of having a good drive was for cribs to either score a touchdown on a kick return or at least take it out past the 40 because if he didn't do that they were not going to score points and he did it a lot of times there's a famous um steelers game that i think the browns still lost but they would have just gotten crushed if cribs didn't have two insane kick return touchdowns in the same game including one where the ball bounced over his head and he had to run back and pick it up at the goal line and still scored. Um, so he just like embodies like what I think of when I think other than Kurt Warner, what I think of when I think of like undrafted players doing anything they have to do to make the team and then finding a role for themselves and carving out a pretty nice career. Um, yeah. Josh Cribbs. And and I'll say this as as a Steelers fan, like you know when <clears throat> excuse me when Josh Cribbs was on the team, man, like he murdered Pittsburgh in on kick and punt returns. Like at, there was like a good three or four year stretch where like the Steelers' only like legitimate weakness was their special teams, and Josh Cribbs made some of those no offense, like terrible fucking Browns teams competitive in those Steelers games. Like I remember that game where he had like, he had like 200 like fucking return yards in that yeah. game or some shit like that. And and the Steelers did win that game, but there were three or four times. Yeah. I can count off the top of my head where like this, like Josh Cribbs made those games fucking close. And he, I'm pretty sure he played on that Derek Anderson led uh 10 and six Browns team that didn't make the playoffs. Yeah, right? he did. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And he was, he was an integral part of that team. Um, I remember that he was so good that they would even run like wildcat schemes with him. Like they yeah. let him play quarterback a couple of times too. And, you know, I, remember the Steelers like picking him off like it wasn't his forte but there were some wildcat runs that he had that were really really good yeah if he wasn't throwing the ball he was making a play man so I'll, I'll give Josh Cribbs all that credit like to me at least one of like those very few Browns players who ever like would dad dick the Steelers when they played them like you know that, that, that was like one of those dudes yeah yeah he he is number one all time in kick return touchdowns tied tied for number one with Corderell Patterson and Leon Washington. Um, and, but yeah, he, he, 
like they tried throughout the years to integrate him in the offense. They just didn't have enough offensive talent. Like, I don't think he was a starting wide receiver. Like, he wasn't going to be one of your top two wide receivers. And because the Browns team was so bad, he had to be one of the the top two receivers. If you put right. him on, if you put him on, like, I don't know, any functioning NFL offense as like a, a slot guy or like just basically a gadget play guy, he he would have been, you know, he would have been really, really been useful. A star. He would have been a star, man. He would have been sure. really, really, really useful for sure. As as it was, he was like the only good player on the Browns offense who could do anything when you gave him the ball. So he it was kind of like, oh, Cribs is on the field lined up in the backfield. They have to give it to him, you know. He's the only threat on the field. <laughs> Who the hell else are they going to give it to? Uh, where did he go to college? Kent State. Was, Kent yeah, State. Kent State. That's that's two Kent State people, he, man. I wonder actually, if there's going to be any more. <laughs> there's actually oh. another. Um, there's actually another interview in that Brownstown podcast, which like Browns fans go listen to that. It's fantastic. Um, where he's talking about playing on the same team as Charlie Fry, who played at Toledo, right? Akron. Akron. Okay. Akron. And yep. he was like, he, he was, was like, dip. yeah. So there's an interview with Cribs cause he's, he's on the team and he was like, I know I'm a better quarterback than Charlie Fry. I played Charlie Fry every year in college and he never beat us. Like, <laughs> but he was like, he was like, they want Charlie Fry to be so good. They won't let me play quarterback. Um, so there's a, there's just a lot of, uh, a lot of good stuff. He's, he's really entertaining in that podcast, but yeah, he's my number one. Uh, Maybe my he's probably in my top three favorite Browns players uh, since they came back. And like I said, for let's see, he was on the Browns for 10 seasons. And for nine of those seasons, he was like legit their only offensive weapon. Is yeah, he still uh, it, the, go ahead, Alan. Sorry. I was just going to say, obviously, Josh Kurtz is also my number one. Um, he is the player on the only two Browns jerseys I own. Yes, I have two Josh Cribbs jerseys, just in case <laughs> one's dirty. So I want to two days in a row. Or in case someone wants to borrow one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. You know, Clearly a good reason. Um, I mean, you know, so growing up in the, uh, in the 2000s Browns era, it was a, 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 a thankless time for a Browns fan. Um, there was not, we didn't have a lot going for us guys. Um, you had Phil Dawson and you had Josh Cribbs. That's exactly (laughs) right. You know, when Dave was like, yeah, okay. Josh Cribbs, number one. And then I'll think of the rest for me. It was, it was, well, yeah, Josh Cribbs is number one. Phil Dawson is number two. And then I'll figure someone else out, um, before I go (laughs) on the show here, but, um, Josh Cribbs just, it seemed like every week. It, Dave said it best, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna belabor this point too much. Um, but uh, Josh Gribbs put that team on his back any week that we had an opportunity to win, uh, and we didn't win often, but we had an opportunity to win. You know, some of the time they would have won a um, whole lot less often without Josh Cribbs putting the ball at like the 45 yard line four or five times. Oh yeah, again. football. We would have been the, the reason. Lion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's I mean, like Phil would have Dawson been made field goals. Yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, that was the Browns' offense. It was okay. We need Cribs to get the kickoff past the forty. We get one, 
one and a half, like two first downs, and then Phil Dawson can kick a field goal. And that's our offense. Yeah. No, that was that was the limit of it. Peck, what were you going to say earlier, man? Is he still part of the uh, the coaching staff for Cleveland right now? I thought he was coaching like special teams right now. He should be. If he's not, I don't know. he should be. I hope so. I, I hope they I, keep him I around somewhere. In town. That he was part of the staff. Maybe he could show Baker how to throw a spiral then. <laughs> oh, suck it, Allen. Or at least teach him about the wind. <laughs> it says that he was a uh, special teams coaching intern, but uh, not sure okay. about right now. Okay. Yeah. Also, before we move on, before we move on from Josh Cribbs, just one briefly, I want to, just in case any Hall of Fame voters are listening out there, guys, consider Josh Cribbs for the Hall of Fame. Okay. I mean, you're considering Devin Hester. And I get it. Like, he was good. He returned punts. I get it. It's cool. Um, Kick return, much more interesting, much more dangerous. Josh Cribbs, way better at it than Devin Hester. Um, So, give a look. Josh Cribbs. I don't know, man. Punts got some big boys out there. Like, they don't have their full-fledged D linemen or offensive linemen, but they've got linemen out there on the punt. (laughs) Everybody's going full speed on kickoffs, though. You get like a thirty-yard running head start agree. on a kickoff. Much, <laughs> m- much more, much more impressive. And Josh Cribbs, like, like let, a car not, wreck. Josh Cribbs was fucking huge. Let's be fair here. That was a big fucking man. Well, and he, he was they did have, the wedge block was still around back then, so that was a pretty. Uh, that was you. I, you got. You, I forgot about. I, ret- I retract my statement, Alan. You got this. Ooh, that's. That's ugly. Yeah. Those West blocks are was, ugly. I just love that uh, that story where they're like, hey, you want to make this team? Go blow up wedge blocks seven to eight times a game. That's uh. your job. <laughs> uh, still looking good today, though, Josh Gribbs. Yeah, and he's a very entertaining uh, interview. So once again, shout out that Brownstown podcast. It's really, really, uh, really good. Okay, so we got me and Alan's number one. Aaron, who's your number one? Same thing that you guys thought with Josh Cribbs. Uh, this is the very first person that I thought of. Uh, Here we and go. I built the rest of my list around it. Uh, our third Kent State player yep. on the list. My number one is number 92 outside linebacker for the Pittsburgh Steelers, James Harrison. Uh, nicknamed Silverback, which is racist, but also terrifying. <laughs> very uh, racist, yeah. It, which is very racist and very terrifying. Uh, I had as my profile picture on Facebook from like 2007 to 2009, a picture of James Harrison's face that said, I will eat you, which is just very funny. Uh, but let's talk about James Harrison, the player. Uh, ender of careers. Sacker of quarterbacks. Uh, nonchalant about penalties from the NFL. Like the reason the NFL like started taking concussions seriously is because of James Harrison. Uh, I, 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 I am a, I am a firm advocate. You know, I agree with a lot of people. Steelers, the Steelers are dirty. Yes, I agree. Like, yeah. And James Harrison, you know, he hits people illegally and it's mean. Yeah, dude, I totally agree. Do something to stop it. James Harrison, is through and through a, to me, what a 
prototypical Steelers linebacker is. And you can go through the the list of all of the Steelers linebacker greats for the last 50 fucking years. And to me, James Harrison, at least in my lifetime, has made more of an impact than any of them. You know, Joey Porter, Greg Lloyd, all-time sack leaders. James Harrison was a player that when you had him on the field, like wide receivers, running backs, offensive linemen, quarterbacks, they were looking for him because he knew or it's because they knew that's the dangerous guy on the field right there. Uh, undrafted player. Uh, he played for Baltimore, was cut. Uh, he was cut by Pittsburgh uh, two or three times uh, before they gave him an actual gig. He played in NFL Europe for the Rhine Fire, which is really, really cool. He used to play as them on Madden when they let you play as uh, NFL Europe teams. Um, but at the, at the end of the day, just, just an absolute enforcer. Talked about, uh, talked a little bit about it earlier. Uh, arguably the most important play in Super Bowl history. Uh, definitely one of the most clutch performances in Super Bowl history. He did not step out of bounds. Um, he single handedly <laughs> ruined every good Browns, Bengals, and Ravens wide receiver prospect for 11 or 12 years. He won Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, anchored two Super Bowl winning defenses, one of those being the best defenses in 30 or in 30 years, I think, uh, since the last time, uh, since the steel curtain of like the 70s, man. That that Steelers defense is that those Steelers defenses he anchored were, I mean, Palomali was great, Casey Hampton was great, Ike Taylor was great, but James Harrison was that guy that you did not want to go on a crossing route for. Like, he was that guy that, like, Joe Thomas is one of the greatest offensive tackles I've ever seen play in my entire life. And some of those, and I believe we've talked about this on the podcast before, some of those Joe Thomas, James Harrison matchups in, in those days were just a- absolutely incredible. Um, I, I, I feel like I, I, I've talked a little bit much, and I'm, I'm S and his D pretty hardcore right here, but an un- un- undersized <laughs> linebacker, weird Mike Tyson voice. Uh, the, the dude was an, an absolute enforcer and made the Steelers defenses of those mid 2000 of that mid 2000 era, the best defense in football. And he was arguably aside from Paul Malu, the most impactful player on those teams. So, uh, you know, maybe not in like that echelon that like, you know, Kurt Warner or, or Antonio Gates are on as far as undrafted players go, but just an just a devastating defensive presence uh, for those teams. So my number one is going to be Kent State for the third time alumni James Harrison. I don't know if uh, you call him undersized when you're as wide as you are tall. Sure, like, sure, sure, sure. He was short. That's all. Awesome. <laughs> he was short. Guy's, that guy's thick. short guy. <laughs> short, short, short man. Short man. He. Go ahead, dude. He also a uh, fun fact. Eight and a half sacks in one game on a Monday Night Football. I'm not Correct. sure who played. It was probably Cleveland, but eight and a half it sacks. Was almost <laughs> definitely Cleveland. <laughs> almost definitely. That would have to be Charlie Fry, right? I think that would have to be Charlie Fry. And, and another weird stat, he played for Pittsburgh. He played for three other teams. Uh, he played for Cincinnati, Baltimore, and New England. Uh, I remember New England losing that Super Bowl to the Eagles, uh, and it was a there was like a like a frame of James Harrison walking off the field while as a losing Patriot, as the confetti was raining down. And I was just like, that's what you get for not taking that money. We were trying to give you. 
<laughs> but I, I, I love him, dude. Like, you know, you can say he's dirty. You can say he's this. You can say he's that. Yeah, You'll be right. Beat, beat him You're then. right. Fucking beat him then. I'm not I, one of those apologists for those Steelers defenses. Like, fuck you. Like, look, beat him then. Figure him out. Oh, look. You know? I don't like James Harrison. I mean, he is a dirty player. It, it's fine. He's a dirty player. Yes, his pit bull almost ate his son. Yes, he's an asshole. Oh my God. <laughs> um, you know, well, like, only Br- Browns fans know Steelers off the field issues more than Steelers fans. That sucks. You got here. His pit bull did go after his son. Holy shit. That is a scary guy. That is a scary fucking dude. I will say I don't like him, but I, I will give him this one prop. Um, because I knew Aaron was going to talk about James Harrison, so I looked him up a little bit. Uh, <laughs> I will I will say that he did he did an interview um, in 2011, and he got started. To, they just asked him a bunch of questions, and he probably shouldn't have done the interview because you know he's not a smart guy. Um, Correct. He went and to kids. So, and they, yeah, right. I mean, you know, well, he went to Kent State because he was an asshole and stupid. I mean, like, uh, he been getting into trouble his whole <laughs> life. Look him up, everybody. James Harrison's a real jerk. Um, <laughs> but anyway, Dave's parents went to Kent State. God. <laughs> it's getting thick in here. No, nothing wrong with Kent State, but he's the kind of guy. He had the talent in high school where he should have been. He would have been approached by like Ohio State, LSU, Alabama, these big, um, like big time programs to play football for them, but they didn't because he did really poorly in school and he kept getting in trouble when he was playing sports. And so they didn't want him. And he wound up going to Kent State um, because he went like, you know, he didn't go to play school, he went to play football, right? I mean, so. Uh, that that's all I was saying. Nothing against Kent State. I have I have a lot of family who went to Kent State as well. But what I wanted to say about James Harrison is that they started asking him questions about Roger Goodell, and this is the part that I like about James Harrison. They called him a crook and a, and a puppet, <laughs> and then he said, "I hate him, and I will never respect him." Adam. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Hell yeah. That shit made so, me hard. Like every every week he was getting a fine and like people would be like, So what do you think about that fine? And he's like, Oh, fuck Roger Goodell and his stupid ass. And you're just like, Yeah, fuck awesome. yeah. Dude. He That's probably awesome. lost got, and he's honest. There's gotta yeah. be a line at how much money he lost in fines in his career. Like straight the fuck up, dude. Like that guy was literally like, Oh no, fuck the NFL. Oh, but but James, don't you play for them? He's like, Yeah, 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 yeah fuck him. Like it was so awesome. Oh All man, right, he so, plays for the Steelers. So a couple things about James Harrison. So number one, I think he I think he is the single reason that Colt McCoy's career went from like possible career starter, like, you know, average to below average starter to like this guy is a backup for his career. James Harrison, I think, is the single reason for that because he fucked him up so badly. That was like that one hit. That one hit. It was like every time a short quarterback gets drafted, everyone's like, okay, so Drew Brees is short. There is a chance. But then James Harrison hit Colt McCoy so hard where I was like, oh, no, no, no. He's too small. That's this made me feel bad. And I wanted him to hit Colt McCoy. And I was just like, Jesus Christ. Colt McCoy is just a baby. (laughs) <laughs> so are you saying that 
James Harrison prevented Colt McCoy from becoming Baker Mayfield? Well, we, we're, Baker's young in his career. He's uh, Baker is on his track to becoming a career backup at this point. <laughs> uh, he was until TJ Watt got a hold of him, but okay. Um, anyway, I want to give James uh, Harrison a couple of uh, props. So kind of like Josh Cribbs and a lot of the other undrafted guys, James Harrison is a testament to like what can happen when you just have like relentless energy and like just want to punish whoever is put in front of you. So props to him for that. And he is also a testament to the effects that an entire career and post career of steroid use can have on the human body. <laughs> he used to spend, I think it was something like $55,000 on acupuncture. every <laughs> off season, which I think is very, very funny. That's great. Yeah. yeah That's like LeBron yeah, I, levels of, uh, of like spending money on recovery. Correct. Yeah. The dude, the, and he, you look at him today, he's still on Instagram. Like how often does rat tell us like, Hey, did you see James Harrison on Instagram? And I'm like, nah, I don't know. I don't, don't want to watch yeah. videos of other dudes <laughs> lifting weights, but okay. Rat. But he's still, he's actually on like a TV show now about wrestling, which is very funny. He's an actor now. Hey, quick question, Alan is, is Josh Cribbs acting right now? That's weird. You'd oh think with how famous Josh Cribbs used to have his own show, Aaron. Cleveland Public Access. <laughs> Yikes. It's got it's, it's gotta be rough. It's gotta be rough. Yeah. Just another just another layer. Uh but yeah, no, hey, <laughs> like I said, and 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 also, and I, I do not wanna, you know, glance over this, the greatest play ever made in Super Bowl history. I don't think it's the greatest play ever made. Guys. He, he, Go back a, and watch the tape. He stepped that, out that, of that, that David Tyree know, catch was like, pretty sweet. I won't. I won't take away that interception return for a touchdown. It's not like uh, he, a ninety-nine yeah. yard interception return for a touchdown by a guy who runs a five-seven. But like, okay, <laughs> at the that end of the half, about, the time is more out. about the Cardinals than anybody. Else. And and he stepped out of bounds. Uh, wait, yeah. no, and I, he stepped out of bounds. <laughs> Which, I mean, how many how many other interception return touchdowns uh, counted after they stepped out of bounds? That must be another testament to James Harrison's greatness, that it doesn't even I, matter I, if he steps out of bounds. Yeah, and Mike Tomlin was on the team, and he's all about stepping in front of people yeah. running down the sideline. Uh, what I will say is I have never went more nuts watching a single play of football than I did when James Harrison returned that interception. Like, I was going insane. And that must have been bro. exhausting going insane for the full 35 seconds it took for him it's to run down the field. So, what's, what's really funny is the next week on uh, Saturday Night Live, they did a uh, weekend update skit where uh, Keenan played James Harrison. He was just sweating and like breathing oxygen the whole time. It was really funny. Uh, okay. So um, Aaron, that was Aaron's number one, James Harrison. Uh, Peck, you sticking with your number one or you want to switch someone else in there? Yeah, I'm single number one, but I, I want to add a comment about James Harrison. I'm kind okay. of with Aaron. I'm with Aaron on this one. Uh, so I guess uh, on top of Teen Bagel Bites, I, I love James, Har- James Harrison. I love that. Teen energy. Bagel Bites. Um, you know, I just, I don't know that. I'm working at Dominican Sue Jersey for crying out loud. So I love players that walk that line. I may not agree with everything. Like, you know, when Sue's stomping people's legs or some of the stuff that James Harrison does, I'm not for that. But I love that energy. Have you guys seen some of his training videos? I know you just kind of just like watching guys work out on Instagram, but like 
He's playing volleyball. He was playing volleyball in the offseason in a sandlot. It was a medicine ball. A yeah. sand court with like a 150-pound medicine ball with his Holy teammates. Holy shit, just, dude. Just, just picture that. That's his training yeah. effort. That's the commitment he has. So I'll take a guy on my team any time. Oh. It just shows you how good steroids have become that he's able to do that. <laughs> about it? You should let professional well, athletes do steroids. Get better. LC, LC get said it it the test. If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. So that's exactly right, baby. That's exactly right, baby. That's why Tom Ooh. Brady's so good. But yeah, I'm I'm sticking with Kurt Warner. Um, okay, I, I don't. I feel like he's got the most accolades, and he was right. Yeah, so it's it's like it's the it's the story. Like when you when you want to think of like that sports story, that sports yep. movie story, it's Kurt Warner. There's there's nothing. One hundred. Yep. One hundred percent. All right, so honorable mention time. We'll go lightning round through honorable mentions. My honorable mention is Phil Dawson. Yeah, we've already talked about great Phil pick. Dawson and how, how great he is. He's uh, I had a Phil Dawson jersey uh, back when I was still buying Browns jerseys, one of the only ones uh, that I ever felt good about after buying you know a Peyton Hillis jersey <laughs> and stuff like that. It's, it's like, okay, just get the Phil Dawson jersey. You can wear it with a... a a clear heart for the rest of your life. <laughs> People so, will point and nod at you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Phil Dawson's my honorable mention. How about you, Aaron? Antonio Gates, uh, honorable mention. Dude, dude was a monster. I always kind of, you know, I, I didn't really play football like that, but I always thought like my style of play was kind of like a tight end, you know, like a big guy who just went up and like caught stuff. So yeah, his game, uh, he's the best tight end that ever played. So Antonio Gates, man. Cool. Alan, how about you? Uh, I was stuck uh, with honorable mentions. Uh, Kurt Warner could have been Michael Bumpus on this one, uh, but he couldn't make my list because he didn't make that tackle. Uh, I also really like Jeff Garcia um, because he he was undrafted. Yeah. Yeah. Jeff Garcia undrafted played in, played in the CFL for a while. uh, Did really well up there. Then, then came down to the NFL played, Played really well. Went to Cleveland, hit a referee, and in, in the ball. We yeah, watched no, that, that was, game at Dave's house. That's funny. Yeah, no, no, I mean that's 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 why Jeff Garcia is in this honorable mention category because he was terrible for the Browns. But um, <laughs> yeah, for anyway. good, but I liked watching him as a Buccaneer. He was a good Buccaneer. Yeah, yeah. yeah he, he, he was he all right a, for the he Browns. Great too. everywhere else. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's no Willard, Ohio, Chuck Fry or anything, but <laughs> that's true. That's true. You guys remember they used to have uh, some fans that wore a uh, a Fry costume to the Browns games when yeah when they wanted Charlie Fry to be quarterback. That was like, so sad. Exhibit week. Exhibit one hundred and seventeen <laughs> of why sports fandom <laughs> is mental illness. <laughs> All right, uh, Peck, who's your honorable mention, dude? So we've covered everyone else that didn't make my list, but besides, and this is the only, I guess, recent or current player, Adam Thielen for the Vikings. Oh shit, um, he's under. Oh, yeah, he's awesome. I didn't know that either. Yeah, he is. Cup for the Rams right now. Like that guy is balling out consistently for like uh-huh. the past four years. So yeah, Cooper Cup is. Or, I'm sorry, Adam Thielen is a stud. He is. So, he started yeah. out too, and people thought he was just like a, a Wes Welker type, you know, like slot That's dude. Not. But he's way better than that. Like he's incredibly good. I think he's another D three guy too. Nice. 
Yeah, props to him. He he's real good. It was, I remember when the Browns played the Vikings earlier this year, and they were like, "All right, like Justin Jefferson's good. Watch out for him." But like Adam Thielen's going to get like seventeen receptions if you don't just focus on him. So mm-hmm. take him out of the game because he's that good. He just plays for the Vikings, unfortunately. Yeah. Yep. Happens. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, so um, let's get into our listener top threes for this episode. All right, and I'll get us started for listener top threes with a uh, new responder, uh, screen name RealTK55, number three, Warren Moon, who we didn't mention, and I had no idea was undrafted, Warren Moon. Number two, John Randall. Number one, Kurt Warner. And a couple of honorable mentions, some we've talked about before, James Harrison, Antonio Gates, but also Rod Smith, a great, great wide receiver. Yep. I I was actually thinking about Rod Smith a little bit too. Warren Moon definitely deserves to be on this list, but I kind of played it like you where I was like, I I never really got to see him play. Yeah. All right. So next up we have uh, Corbin, number three, Antonio Gates. Number two, Warren Moon. Number one, Kurt Warner. Loves, loves, uh, everybody loves Kurt Warner. Everybody does love Kurt Warner. Uh, next up is Jarris, uh, number three, Jeff Saturday, number two, John Randall, and number one, Adam Vinatieri. That's Kickers, who I dude. was going to say is the best kicker of all time. He's is Adam not, Vinatieri? He's not the best kicker. If Justin yeah, Tucker, if Justin he's, Tucker he's, plays he's for the Patriots. Clutch. He would have made all those kicks and some other yeah. ones too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if what, my grandma had wheels, she'd be a bicycle, Dave. Well, so. rest in peace to your grandma, but Justin Tucker's different. <laughs> she, she was, a, she was, a, she was a great bicycle. Everyone gets a ride. Uh, <laughs> Love you, grandma. <laughs> uh, next, we have Rat Boy. Uh, his number three is Warren Moon. Number two is Priest Holmes. He was on my list too. I didn't use him. I couldn't, couldn't pull the trigger on him. Uh, number one is Kurt Warner. Uh, honorable mentions. I hope he's talking about him as an announcer, Tony Romo, because he was a trash quarterback, and James Harrison. All right. First up, number one, uh, Rat also wants to just point out that he mostly likes James Harrison because of his Instagram, uh, where he's working out and screaming all the time. Um, and number two, Tony <laughs> Tony Romo is better than any quarterback who's played for the Browns since their return. He is for sure not a trash quarterback. He's good. Yeah, Pe- Pickham's got this unrelenting hate for the Cowboys, which yeah, I don't just, understand. Yeah, it's, no, I fully understand. It's what sports fans do. I get it. But Tony Romo is not trash. Tony Romo's awesome, and he was undrafted. I think I have like Aberley Christian or, or Texas Christian or some dumb shit like that. Uh, <laughs> but Tony Romo Eastern was awesome. Illinois. Yeah. Eastern Illinois. Yeah, I was close. Uh, but Tony Romo was fucking <laughs> awesome. Man. Like, you know, yeah. I, I get your Cowboys. Hey, I, I don't have it because they've never hurt my team ever. You know what I mean? But like Tony, Tony Romo was great. Little little quarterback out there, you know, undrafted uh, third string uh, behind. Oh, God. Well, I, I don't even care. I, I like Tony Romo. He, he almost made my list. Drew Henson. Ratboy also <laughs> says honorable mention to James Harrison's voice. It's like Mike Tyson. It's so weird. It's so weird. You want to play volleyball with this medicine ball? How, how was that? Was that good? Was that racist? It was, it was good though. It was, it was good though. Keep right? doing it though. <laughs> Definitely keep doing it. 
Yeah. Well, sorry, yeah. guys. I'm going to be late for my acupuncture appointment. You heard about, uh, you heard about yeah. acupuncture? That was Needles? very racist. You, about this? you see this? You, you hear about, about this? this? You see this? Acupuncture? <laughs> They're sticking you with needles. <laughs> All of your body. <laughs> uh, next up, we have uh, Mo. Mo's number three is Arian Foster. Number two is Fast Willie Parker. And number one is James Harrison. And honorable mention to Duck Hodges, uh, who was... is better than I Ben Roethlisberger at this point in Roethlisberger's career. Holy shit. <laughs> Duck Hodges has thrown a better long ball in the last five years than Ben has. I love <laughs> Duck. Quack, quack, I miss you. <laughs> uh, and last up, we have Paul. Uh, Paul's number three is Marion Motley. I do not know nice. who that is. Uh, All time great Browns running yeah. back. Oh yeah, when he played in like the forty, I don't care. I've never heard of him. He did. Uh, he did play in the forties. Real quick though, about Mary Motley, is uh, Paul? He yeah, he averaged oh, okay. like over seven yards per carry. I mean, like seven yards per carry in a yeah. season. He yeah, averaged. Is, it, it, it's Paul good to is, know uh, that. Like, no, go ahead, he, Dave. He's. Well, I was just going to say he's he's somehow my younger brother, but also he's 142 years old. So makes sense. He's your, he's your father's son. Uh, number two, Antonio Gates. Uh, number one, Kurt Warner. Yeah, it, it, Kurt Warner is the Michael Bumpus, but unfortunately, he got Michael Bumpus by Michael Bumpus. Wait, so. wait, what does Kurt Warner think he's better than Michael Bumpus? That doesn't make any yeah, sense. Yeah, exactly. Kurt Get Warner the fuck out of here, Kurt Warner. Warner. Yeah, come on. Yeah, if come on, Kurt Warner. When they do the Michael Bumpus movie, it will be Denzel Washington playing him. One hundred percent. It'll be him and Will Smith. Nobody else makes sense. That's funny. That's funny. All right. So thank you everybody who sent in your top threes. We appreciate you. And that's gonna be it for us today. Peck, thanks for joining the show, dude. It's been a blast talking football with you. Yeah. Hell yeah. Hey so, yeah. Hey, thanks for having me. Um. As a mental health therapist that works in the community setting in Dayton, um, you guys are definitely the highlight in between seeing clients. I listen to you guys in between my breaks in the office, so please keep doing this. If you need some more, uh, some guests for football, please, I'll be happy to join in. But I literally, you guys are sometimes the highlight of my week dealing with some of the, that, some of the things I had to deal with. So uh, thank you guys. Oh, that's Bro, awesome, that's man. Appreciate nice, that. Man. Super nice. Yeah, thank, thank you. Yeah. Do you, Especially would you Alex. like... Yeah, cool. would you like to replace Alan on the show? <laughs> yeah, right. Come on. I don't know. That, that's that's a tough job. Maybe, maybe an occasional guest I'll do. Yeah, yeah. We'll definitely uh, we'll definitely have you back sometime, dude. This has been great, good conversation, and appreciate uh, the insight from someone who has actually played football in their life. <laughs> yeah, right, dude. Very cool. Yeah. Um, except for Alan played football too. Alan, didn't you play like defensive line too or some shit? I did. I did. Yeah, he was um, fat. Yeah, I yeah. I weighed I weighed much more than I I was much bigger than I was at this than I am at this point. Um and <laughs> I still would I broke something. Uh every I I played football for like three years and I broke something. I got to play a total of three games. Nice. Um, it was, <laughs> I, I played it was, with Alan the entire time that he played football. I also played for those same three years. Alan was named the starter at defensive end every year and broke his <laughs> leg right, like almost immediately every season. That's how I, I came to. I Alan. only broke my leg once. I only broke my leg once, Aaron. I, I broke yeah. my wrist. 
I don't know, Alan. I was there. No, nah, no, nah, man, I was there. I spent <laughs> like eight times, dog. I don't know what you're talking about. Little fat hair is my doctor. Correct. Didn't, didn't the athlete, the athletic trainer, tell you to drink some Gatorade and get over it? Yeah, pour yeah, some coffee on it. He had me hop off the field. It was uh, shout out, shout out to Troy High School. Way to go, guys! Yeah, very impressed. I think that guy's a principal. Yeah. By the way, don't even drink some Gatorade. What? Just pour He's Gatorade on that now? broken leg. Ooh. Yeah, it, it'll fuse the bones. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you got a Gatorade? Pour some water in there. they real good. No Gatorade. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, that's going to do it for us for a top three podcast today. Appreciate everybody who's been listening. One more time, if you want to support the show, check out the social media links down in the episode description. That is where you will find our upcoming topics and calls for uh, listener top threes, which uh, we always have a blast reading. And we're, we're happy that everybody uh, writes in for those those listener top threes. We appreciate you. Uh, ratings and reviews also good and a word of mouth telling people that a top three podcast is uh, either going to brighten up your day like Peck said or um, well, like everybody who tells me off air that a top three podcast is the worst part of their week uh, but they keep but they keep listening because <laughs> other than the other than a top three podcast ruining your week everything else in life is great so we're like in crack. We will destroy your you life. Have to, for you like have to stay grounded, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Bloodbath will be back on the next episode, so the fan favorite is coming back. Don't worry, everybody. So thanks for listening. We will see you next time. Bye, everybody. Bye. Hey, guys. <laughs>